Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Pete Fletzer. On this episode of Around the Galaxy, we're talking to the author of the Star Wars archives, Paul Duncan. Star Wars has become so big, enormous. It's sort of, it's not just a film, but it's an animation, TV show, comic, book. You're listening to Around the Galaxy. Welcome to episode number 143 of Around the Galaxy, the Star Wars fan talk show. I am your host, Pete Fletzer. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, if this is your first visit, welcome aboard. Hope you enjoy the ride. And hey, before you forget, make sure to hit that subscribe button because we deliver Around the Galaxy every Tuesday where we have an opportunity to get to know some of the people behind the Star Wars fandom. And on Saturdays, we deliver something called Disturbances in the Force. Every Saturday morning, you give us five minutes, we'll give you the galaxy. We bring you all the big news from the Star Wars universe from the previous week. No spin, no clickbait, just the facts. And you can find that in your podcast stream. We also put that up on our Twitter feed as well, so you can check that out. Well, this week, we are privileged to be speaking to Mr. Paul Duncan. Paul Duncan is the author of over 150 books, but if you're a Star Wars fan, you probably know him from the epic tomes, the Star Wars archives. He did one for both the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy. The prequel trilogy one is relatively new. He's also done things for uh, horror history. He's done uh, uh, Charlie Chaplin. He's done uh, just recently a fantastic uh, James Bond collection but uh, he uh, he is brought us so many interesting and unique perspectives on the creation of our favorite universe the Star Wars universe and he shared some of those stories with us on this episode I do need to point out there was a bit of an issue with the recording quality so you're going to hear a little bit of more hiss than we would like but uh, the stories are worth pushing your way through on that so but before we get started i'm excited to bring you our next what? review you're, uh you know every week we we you're bring excited? Uh, you're yes, excited yes, to hear I, from yes, me yes your resident and, battle what did you just tell me? <laughs> i am atg3 and i am the official review reader for around the galaxy and mm-hmm. you know i mean it seems like with all the technology that went into building me, spending my time yeah. surfing the internet, mm-hmm. looking for reviews of yeah. your show seems yeah. a bit, um, I don't know, less than taking full advantage oh. of what I can do. <laughs> okay, so we can maybe... No, I mean, that's totally no, fine. It's fine. Whatever. No, whatever. You need me to do it, and uh, I don't I need, need to you do to do it, it for you. I mean, because, I... Because, you know, I could I'm read a them. droid. I could read them myself. Apparently, that's... But I'm going to do. Don't make me feel no, bad. No, no, no. Don't feel bad. Uh, I mean, that's that's what I'm programmed for. By yes. the way, do you know what I used to be programmed for? What? Yeah, I used to be programmed to fight in the Clone Wars <laughs> okay. and, like, blow stuff up and right. shoot people. Yeah, but, well, not, you know, this is yeah. probably better for I everybody involved. I'm very happy so. yeah. to be, um, what am I doing? Reading you're, podcast you're reading, reviews. Yes. It's a bit of a 
career change for me, <laughs> okay, but uh, well, I'm really happy to do it. Well, if you aren't happy, we no, can... No, I'm serious. No. I, I'm really enjoying this. Okay, okay this <laughs> podcast review comes to us from Apple Podcasts mm -hmm. from somebody named Smiller80. Maybe that's S. Miller80? Okay, maybe it's S. Miller80. Right, I don't know. Yeah. This is what they wrote. My job is to read them, uh, right? Just so then read it. Okay, Let's Miller go. says, a must listen <laughs> each week. I love to talk about Star Wars, and when I can't, I love to listen to people who love Star Wars as much as I do talk about Star Wars. That's... This podcast gives me a great way to do this each week. Oh, man, this guy needs to get out more. Okay, okay see, that's not very huh? nice. I okay, mean... sometimes it gives me new insights, sometimes it helps me appreciate things I hadn't appreciated before, and sometimes, well, it's just fun. Okay, well, that's uh, good. He goes on after rambling for a bit to uh, say, would you be nice? it's so much fun, very well done, uh -huh. and has a nice variety of guests. All right, well, here's one of our guests, Mr. Paul Duncan, after these messages. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Paul Duncan, and you're listening to Around the Galaxy. Paul, how are you? Great. How are you? Great I'm to be here. It's great to have you here. I appreciate you taking some time. I know uh, uh, you've you've been very very active <laughs> of late. You've uh, you most recently had the Star Wars archives come out for the uh, the prequels, which of course also run into the re releases. And I think you first hit uh, everybody's radar with the the first Star Wars archives book, which came out. What was that? Two years ago? Was it two and a yeah, half? Yeah, um, two and a half, three years ago. Yeah. Uh, you lose track of time, <laughs> but when you do, you just got your head down. And you just work, and then it comes out. Oh, I can stop now. Let's move on. Yeah, we made it. We made it to this one, and now yeah. it's time for the next one, right? So, oh, uh, so maybe uh, for the people who don't know you, maybe just give us a, a short little bit of your background. Oh gosh, um, <laughs> well, I've got, uh, I'll sound just like one of those uh, people just reeling off things. Go for I've it. Done. I did a CV recently, first time I've done a CV for more than 20 years, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I was a I've done something like 150 books, you know, just yeah. crazy. So every, I'm mainly known for all the you know, film stuff, Mark Bergman, Pedro Almodova, James Bond, Star Wars, um, Charlie Chaplin, mm -hmm. um, doing these enormous books on directors, on, on everything, but I also, I love comics, um, so I've got lots of uh, books on those that I used to interview a lot, and also 
um, mystery, crime fiction, noir mm. fiction. I love all that. So, um, so I try to do everything I can all at the same time. And at some point, a book comes out. <laughs> That's basically me. You collect the information and one day there's a book ready to happen. That's great. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I must have like 10, 15 books at the moment that I'm working on. And at some point, one will be ready. So it'll, be, so it'll come out. And in fact, talking to artists and painters and things like that, that's often the case that they'll have multiple things on the go. Right. Um, and they'll wait for the moment when, oh, yeah, that one's finished now. You know, and, and then they'll release it. I mean, and it must be, I can, I can imagine that that's kind of the way it is. Cause I think if you look at the star Wars archives, both, both volumes, um, you probably could have gone further and forever on those with all the, the information that you get to gather as you're putting these together. Absolutely. Um, when you, I mean, in fact, there was only going to be one book, you mm. know, with one to six, you know, and, um, I, I was like, four five months into researching and i just i said to the publisher benedict passion you know this needs to be two books and i said to lucasfilm this needs to be two books i mean if i could have had six books sure i would have been happier but and <laughs> um, i didn't think i could stretch that far but but yet one, one of the the problems of going into archives is that you find so much incredible material Mm. Um, I, I mean, in, in terms of artwork, but also in terms of development and stories and oral histories. Um, and, you know, naturally, um, uh, you find all the interesting bits and put them together in order to make a book. Right. Um, but you want something that's much bigger and more inclusive and more detailed. Um, but unfortunately, um, space is limited. And so you have to crunch it all down into into a tiny six hundred page book, <laughs> which is yay big. Which which uh, weighs more than my son when he was born. It's like a thirteen pound book, right? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, you need the force to lift it. Yeah. <laughs> and they are, as I as I was saying before, they are to call them books is 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 almost a misnomer. I mean, they're beautiful pieces of art on top of everything else. There's, uh, uh there, the, the, the way the, the package is put together is, is absolutely brilliant. And it's, you know, it's a premium price, but it's, it's worth it, uh, in every, in every way, I guess my, maybe my first question for you is, were you a star Wars fan before you got into your, your writing and, or you got into what you, what you do today? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was, I remember it was a bank holiday in the UK, 1977. I was eating uh, a sandwich. I was on my own. I remember in the house, I would have been 13. And mm -hmm. um, so school holiday in the house at uh, lunchtime, I was eating a sandwich, probably um, not to be too pedantic about this, but probably um, uh, it was either a chip sandwich, you know, uh, which would have been a fry sandwich, fries, and uh, in American speak, and um, or it would have been brown sauce, you know, sandwich. But that's perhaps too much information. Um, but I was watching television, and there was this report about this movie that was coming out, and I saw these these uh, spaceships flying about and I thought 
quite wow, you know, mm. what's this? And there were pictures of all these people lining up in America to see this movie. And I thought, I have to know more about this movie. I have <laughs> to see this movie. So this is 77. So it right. would have been, uh, I suppose, August, September, October, uh, around, uh, around that time. And uh, it didn't come out in the UK until the end of 77. And it didn't come to my part of the world, because it was in the Midlands, mm -hmm. until January 1978. Wow. On January 1978, the very first showing in my, um, in my, near my town, on a Sunday, Sunday <laughs> afternoon, I went to see the very first showing of Star Wars. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I knew a bit about Star Wars. And I found everything, everything that was imprint on Star Wars because um, I wanted to know everything. And then um, uh, when I was 15, I started my own magazine hmm. all about science fiction, comics, TV, everything to do with it. And of course, I included Star Wars. And, sure. And that. So, so yeah, I, I knew about Star Wars from, from way back, <laughs> from the beginning. Yeah. And it's interesting too because there was something about Star Wars because I was I was about seven or eight years old when I first saw it because it came out in 77. But I saw it. Yeah, I was seven years old. Um, and um, there's something about Star Wars that makes you want to engage with it, whether it was collecting every magazine article I could find about it, et cetera. Um, and and so what do you think it is about Star Wars? It is probably the most documented film from a behind the scenes perspective. Right. I'm just talking about a new hope and actually yeah. as you move forward documenting filmmaking became sort of the norm right it was that's right. one of those sort of things that you know star wars broke so much ground but that's one of those things right it became hey we need to to you know keep track of everything's going on so how did you how did you go about creating this archives book with knowing that there were you know there were the great phil stosak uh, stosak books there was you know just all, pieces all, the all, J, over the all the jr rinsler books and the you know, right I, the the J.W. Rinsler books, right? Sure. Yeah, I mean those are at J.W. Yes. Um. Um. Yeah. I mean, I, I was quite frankly very uh, worried, mm -hmm. uh, apprehensive about doing this because, um, because everybody has brought that ground before and mm -hmm. done brilliant, brilliant work. I mean, even when the films came out originally. They were always making up books. Sure. You know, uh, I remember uh, there was the uh, was it Alan Arnold from Empire Strikes Back. And, mm -hmm. You know, I I mean, I picked up all of these things. I read them all. I I, I picked up Starlog and yeah. uh, Starburst and uh, all these magazines in Fantastic and mm -hmm. everything. I mean, these were very difficult to find in the UK. I'm based in the UK. Um, and uh, I, I went go. I, I was on again on the holiday, mm. going somewhere I don't normally go. I went into a shop, and there was a copy of Starlog with Star Wars on the front cover. And I thought, well, I have to have that. I have to right. take. I have to borrow money from my parents. Yep. You know, and in order to have that, you know, um, and it was. You know, it was very much that sort of thing. And as you're right, it was incredibly well documented. People suddenly began to become interested in how these things were done. Right. Um, now, for me, um, what, um, there was a book 
by uh, John Borman, um, uh, which was about the making of the Emerald Forest, his movie. Mm-hmm. And it was his sort of documentary, uh, um, sort of diary of the making of that movie. Um, um, that I thought was fascinating. And for the first time, I sort of understood that the idea that making a movie was fraught with uncertainty. Mm. You never knew all these movies that we admire and we love and we think are great. Um, you, you never know how you, when they're making them, right. people never know how it's going to turn out. They never know, you know, if this shot is going to make it mm. um, or if it's going to be any good. Um, and so there's a sort of tension in reading this book by John Borman. And that's always, you know, sort of stayed with me. Mm. Um, and then, so when it came to doing books uh, on on movies, many many years later, um, or Tashin, Tashin mm-hmm. uh, all of these, um, I, I always I've always felt that I always felt well, the stories that I want to tell in the books should have a sense of that that drama and mm-hmm. that uncertainty. And how can I do it? How can I convey this? Um, and so this sort of came in to doing this, or these books on, on Stolen. Uh, and it was only after, because I thought, well, how do I have add drama to this? Because everybody knows <laughs> how, how, how they come out. They become incredibly successful, make lots of money, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. And uh, so, so I thought, well, the person I want to hear from, most of all, the voice that I want to, to listen to was, was George Lucas. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, after six months a year of doing research um, at, at the ranch and at the Presidio, um, I, I really, I, I thought, well, this is what I have to try and get. Uh, and luckily enough, I asked George um, if he would you know, consent to do an interview. <laughs> Uh, and he said yes, uh, which was which was great, and um, uh, and that was it. And I think the the important thing is that I wanted to feel as though um, uh, I was with him mm-hmm. as he was as he was making the movies, as he was thinking them up. It, it's uh, remarkable. Sorry, and then bring in the other voices in right. relationship to him. So only only the voices of the people who were actually there. Other voices in in the books. That's that's great. It's remarkable to me that you didn't know if you were going to have an interview with George Lucas before you started this. That feels like sort of step number one. That's a, that's amazing. Well, I mean, you, you you never know when you do these books what they're going to be. I mean, mm. you can't go in and say, um, you can't go in and say, well, I'm going to make a book about this, and it's going to be this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. What you do is you you go in and you say, well what's there right. right what 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 what's the material you know that are that are available and what um uh what comes at me mm. you know I, I mean after there were lots of factoids and little anecdotes and bits and pieces and um one of the things that struck me very much uh, about star wars is that star wars has become so big Mm. It's so enormous. It's sort of. It's not just 
the films, for instance, animation, TV shows, comics, books, video games, etc. And there's this enormous um, amount of information mm. out there being created for Star Wars. But why is it successful? What does it mean? And I thought that the only person who could tell me that was George. And this is why talking to, you know, as I'm going and, you know, going through all these materials, these are sort of ideas and, you know, things that come into my head. And I'm thinking, well, really, I want to get back to why it was successful in the first place. Mm. What was that secret factor, that magic formula? What was the thing that drove George mm-hmm. that he put into it um, those secret ingredients that come out in the movie and generate and propagate everything else? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Stephen Kent, and you're listening to Around the Galaxy. And I guess we're we're kind of lucky that there has been that they kept so many of those things because you were able to go into the archives and find uh, remarkable photos and and items mm-hmm. that weren't weren't seen before. What was it like as a put on your your fan hat uh, as the, that 13 year old kid who who yeah. was in who, who who was looking for anything Star Wars he could find mm-hmm. to walk in to the archives. I mean, you, you got a key to the castle that so many people who listen yeah. to the show would just, would give, give an arm to, to do. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it is overwhelming. Mm. I, I mean, the first, the first day, I, I literally, I don't know how to describe it, but the first day, um, I was like, have you, have you, I, I mean, basically, I went into you know the big archive in the ranch and got mm-hmm. all the props and whatever. Basically, I ran through it almost. <laughs> it was almost as if you know th- there's a scene in um, a, a Godard film, I think, where the people you know uh, it's probably Jules or, or something like that, where they dress up and they run through the uh, past the Mona Lisa and the Louvre, everything the Louvre in like five minutes. Right. Well, that was me going through the archive. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, whoosh, 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 up every row, every just opening drawers, closing, what's in there? What's, you know, it was just just crazy, crazy. And, um, and it was then I had to sort of calm down and then, right. and, and then just methodically realized I had to go through, I had to take a photo, I mean, I had to take snaps mm-hmm. of everything, right? Not everything, but things that I thought were interesting because um, uh, I have to be able to find everything that I need in order to include in the book. So, so I thought, how do I do this? How do I do this? So, okay, this cabinet, 
this draw number, snap. Open the draw, snap. <laughs> okay, this folder, snap. You know, the name of the folder. Right. Open it. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Oh, wow, <laughs> this is great. Oh, yeah, Joe Johnson, snap. Right. Right, Macquarie. <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> you know, and it was like, uh, and it was literally, it was, it was like that. And then you go, what's this? Never seen this before. <laughs> uh, and you, you go, what on earth is this? You know, it was, it right. was like, you, you would go like, and it, like in your brain, you, you file it and you think, um, what on earth was that for? And it sort of goes on in the back of your head, back of your head. Uh, and then you, you, you carry on. And, uh, and then, you know, like three months later, you sort of, in your head, you go, oh, that connects to something I saw on the first day, or right. et cetera. And then you start building up a picture, and there's like this mosaic of information. Because not everything is stored chronologically. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to piece together what the story is. I mean, I remember for, um, uh, I met Doug Chang, mm -hmm. for example, uh, and one of the things that I did before I met him is I, I got all of these drawings that he'd done, um, and luckily they were numbered um, and dated, mm -hmm. so, so I could go through them and I could actually ask him, oh, look, it goes from this to this to this to this. You know, can you tell me why? Right. Yeah. Um, and what happened? Because then, you know, and he was saying, oh, these, these were all rubbish. But then George picked out this from this drawing, this from mm. this drawing, this from this drawing, and told me to put them together. And I did. Wow. Yeah. And these were the Baron drawings, you know, which became the Baron drawings. Right. So, so different aspects of different drawings, you know, combined. And so he could tell me which drawings he took bits from. In order so hmm. that he made that later drawing, like six months later or a year later. Right. So, um, so this is how it's done. This is, if you like, a more forensic uh, approach. I mean, I take the approach of the historian. Mm -hmm. You know, in that I say this was done on a particular date, um, um, and then this was done on that date, and 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 I piece it together that way. So that I don't make any value judgments right. in, in the books. These are not opinion pieces. Right. Um, I never say anything uh, in other than a, a select of fact. Mm. And then in that way, uh, I can assemble it, and all the people who are actually there can give me their opinions and their stories. Mm. How long does it take to to take something like that? You've you've built. I mean, it's sort of like in a way, it's it's like doing a a written documentary, right? You go in as if you're doing a documentary film. You don't you have an idea what you're going to get from it, but you don't know until you start getting in there. How long? What's the how long is the process between that sort of initial kickoff to to um, to when you you finally have that that book that you've said, hey, we're close enough. Let's this is done, as we were saying in well, the beginning. Well, it's. Uh, it's normally about a, a year of joy uh, and a year of terror. I mean, uh, <laughs> because the, the researching is the easiest thing in the world, you know, mm -hmm. because you're there and you're just going, 
wow, I love that. Um, oh, oh, gosh, that's brilliant. And it's collecting information. Right? But there's a point at which you have to process it, which right. means that you have, to, um, you have to start making decisions as what to include and what to take out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's, that's difficult. Yeah, right. but it's the job. Right. <laughs> you know, right. it's not, it's not. Um, and that's, uh, and then it's a matter of finding what the arc of the story is. So, um, um, because it's not just about the, you know, the dates. Mm-hmm. It's, it's also about, for example, if George was talking about, because when I was talking to George, it was mainly, about a subject or an idea. Mm-hmm. It, was not, it was nothing about when did you do this or when did you do that, because I could find out all of that in the, in the documentation. Mm-hmm. So it was all about um, the why with George. Um, and so it was trying to t- find a way of including that within the text and to place it in the most appropriate place. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and so that was, that was the real writing of it. As you say, it's exactly the same as doing uh, a documentary. And for some reason, I, I can't understand why somebody hasn't approached me to, <laughs> to make one, because basically it's ready-made. I, I think we need a Disney Plus series with, uh, with Paul Duncan and the, the story of Star Wars. I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I'd be there in a, in a heartbeat. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll push for it on, on social media. You, know, you, make a, you make an interesting point about the fact that um, making a film is almost as much of a, of an adventure as the film itself, the finished product. Oh, yeah. um, and I know you're active on on social media, and that you share a lot of you know sort of important dates and a lot of interesting things sure. there. As a Star Wars fan, I imagine you're still a fan of things that are coming down the pike. We see a lot of fan reaction to things like directors changing and writers changing and dates shifting. Yeah. Um, would you say that that is the norm? It's just that it's more exposed in a in a franchise like Star Wars, or 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 what what, what would your position be on on some well, things I, we're seeing? Well, I think that um, I, I think there's a basic misunderstanding of what the creative process is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you make something, um, you don't always know, as I said, what it's going to be at the end of it. Right. Right. There's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, and so decisions have to be made along mm-hmm. the way that can change the direction of that project. And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, in terms of, I mean, it's a very broad question you're, yeah. you're, you're asking there. <laughs> but, but I think that what I've tried to do in the books is to show that each decision is not made, um, is not made lightly, mm-hmm. uh, and it's always made for a reason. I, I mean, I was, uh, there's one point I remember I was very insistent with George about, um, oh, why did you take all, out all that Padme stuff in, you know, Attack the Clones and in, you know, Revenge of the Sith, you know, it was all great stuff. It was all, and it's sort of like, and George came back with like different answers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but ultimately, the final answer Right, and the, the answer which sometimes, um, uh, you know, you, you push a little in order to get the answer that you're waiting for, the real right. answer, yeah. Just, um, there are things which are self-evident, 
if you like, but sometimes you need the obvious answer to be to be said. Mm. It's quite simply the the film was too long. Right. You know that he he knows that if he includes these scenes which are great, right, then it's going to add twenty minutes, thirty minutes to a two and a half hour movie. Right. You know, and and that's just not feasible. Right. You know, um, and George knows this. Already he knows he's going too long. <laughs> and um, uh, you know, if it was a TV series, if it was a different format, right. then that would make, that would make sense. Um, uh, it would have the space and the air to breathe in order to let those scenes go in. Right. But it makes absolutely perfect sense. And yeah. um, as George says, well, we already know that Padme is lovely, you right. know, that she's selfless, <laughs> yeah, that she's given up a lot, right, in order to, to be who she is and mm-hmm. do what she does. Um, so you don't need half an hour, you <laughs> know, to ramp home the point, yeah? Right. You already know it, right? Yep. So you don't need to see it. And, um, uh, yeah, so I completely understand in terms of the creative process that there will be reasons for it. Right. Reasons that from the outside, you know, you may not understand. And the, I think the other aspect of it is that um, people are very ravenous for information yeah. and additional things, uh, which I've tried to supply in the book. Yeah. Uh, obviously. But there's a reason why it's not there. You know, right. It's, it's, there's a reason why the cut is as it is, and there's a reason why. Um, you know, this design was used and this design was not used. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I'm trying to explicate that within the books. But also, it's just a normal part of the process. I mean, I've done books on Charlie Chaplin, Pedro Modavar, uh, Michael Mann, uh, Jean Renoir, um, I, many, Ingmar Bergman, many, many books on many, many different creators, and it's always the same, <laughs> yeah? So, yeah. Um, so this is just no different. Yeah, it, the the book reads really well, you know, it's, it, and it's, there's some great stories there, my favorite stories actually from the first book with the, uh, I love the way you captured the whole, I love you, I know part, um, yeah. that just, you know, it just, you feel like you're there on the set. Is there any particular favorite story that that you were able to uncover uh through either one of the the uh the archives that that stuck with you well i i think a lot of the stories are um uh, for me and the thing that's always interesting is the way that george harvests 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 okay say the word (laughs) harvested yeah um (laughs) um uh different ideas from 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 everybody that he was uh, completely open to ideas from from everybody mm-hmm. um, and that he you can see it in some of the um unfortunately i couldn't reproduce the complete transcripts of mm-hmm. uh, these sort of story conferences that right. he did uh, but they're absolutely fascinating because you see that people are, are giving him ideas or different points of view. Mm-hmm. And then he's pushing back on it to say, no, that doesn't work because. 
right. right? Or he's accepting it and then trying to incorporate it into um, uh, into the story or into the plot. Mm-hmm. Or if not directly into a plot in that part, perhaps it will work somewhere else. Right. So this sort of shuffling and reshuffling of ideas and talking it through, I think that was the most fascinating uh, part of, if you like, the research. Right. Um, because you really got a sense of how detailed um, uh, everybody got uh, right. about it. But also that that other people didn't really uh, George's that George's understanding was much deeper than people give him credit for. Mm. Like in, in his mind that he had certain uh, uh, ideas about the mythical archetypes, the psychology of the characters mm-hmm. that perhaps other people were missing. Um, and he was trying to keep on hmm. uh, and keep hold of and, and to keep central to the character. So, um, so for me, that was the most, um, uh, most interesting part of it. And I've tried to keep uh, in the story conferences that I've reproduced, I've, I've tried to keep those aspects um, as part of it. It's uh, it's really interesting to hear that because that's clearly, you know, one of the things that George does have a vision, and and I think that's what makes him such a visionary in the in the true sense of the word visionary is he's he's going to stick to that. I can only imagine what it would have been like to be in those early conversations that he was having with uh, with, with all these people who became they all became legends, and they were all just sort of sitting around drinking coffee, talking mm. about these story ideas, and just the. Yeah. The, the feedback that he got and what influenced him and what, what didn't must have been. Yeah, I, I mean, you'll, uh, I mean, even, but everybody looks out for it. It's, it's funny, even on, uh, on Star Wars, when they were doing the, the uh, VFX, it was called special effects at the time, right. called VFX. Um, uh, I remember that they were looking for text and I remember there was a conversation somebody had that, Oh, they've seen um, um, uh, the New Yorker or Vanity Fair or something like that. Probably the New Yorker had had a, an extract on um, Bruno Bettelheim's new book on how children read uh, mythology, mm-hmm. right? And George saying, "Oh, I need to have a copy of that." You know, um, and this is before the book came out. Um, uh, so this is. You know, these ideas are going on all the time. Mm. Um, but it's not, you know, when people say Joseph Campbell, um, they're not, it's, it's not just a name check. You know, right. this, is a, this is a serious thing. If you have a look um, on a documentary about when he was starting on uh, episode one, you'll see, you know, the row of books um, in, in the background, you know, they pan across. You know, you've got Julius Caesar on the Civil War, <laughs> the Gallic Wars. You know, right. you've got um, books on psychology. Yeah, you've got myth, books on myths and folklore. Yeah. You know, as well as the you know lay bracket and science fiction, science fantasy. So, um, this is all really serious stuff. And I remember uh, Ryan Church telling me he remembers going in. Uh, into that room and being surrounded by all of these, these books um, and uh, admiring them 
<laughs> and uh, and knowing that you know George had had read and absorbed them, um, because when when Ryan would sit down and talk about some things about design, etc., George would come back with design ideas, and um, that you know that showed that he knew about design mm. and the history of design, and you know, so this is not this is George walking the walk, not just talking the talk. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and I wanted to bring that back into you know the arena of talking about stars and Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. This is Jermaine Lucia from io9, and you're listening to Around the Galaxy. What might have been the most surprising thing that you learned doing these these books? Oh, um... I think it was the idea of non-linear filmmaking. Mm. I haven't really grasped what that is now. You know, <laughs> and in fact, um, uh, you know what the idea of non-linear editing is? Everybody does now. Right. Um, which is essentially you can have everything that you film uh, all up at the same time and you can pick and choose anything you want and edit, edit any part of it at any time right. that you want. That's essentially non-linear editing, mm-hmm. and um, uh, uh, which George was instrumental in in helping <laughs> move forward. Right, the um, Edidroid concept and things uh, like that. Exactly, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and Ben Burt, etc. Mm-hmm. All that. Um, but uh, that idea applied to filmmaking as a whole. The idea that you can uh, film and uh, edit and incorporate any aspect of any part of the movie at any time. And mm-hmm. um, that's really what he brought to filmmaking. Now, I hadn't really grasped the significance of that. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, it, it's sort of, it was the idea of uh, me taking a piece of paper, writing on it, mm-hmm. right? And then cutting out and rewriting, cut and pasting any aspect of the story that I was writing. And he's doing that with cinema. Mm. Right? Now that is because normally what everybody, and I think this is a, a preconception that people have about cinema in general, mm. that you have an idea, you write a script, you film it, you edit it, you project it. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Right. That, that is not cinema. <laughs> not anymore, no, for sure. Not anymore. And so people think um, that's a bad thing for, for George to change his mind after the edit. <laughs> no, that's the good thing. Right. Because anybody who's ever created anything knows that after you've spent two years creating something, you have a much better idea of what you <laughs> want to create after right. those two years than you did at the very beginning. Right. right. So you should be writing it at the end, not at the beginning. 
And to yeah. be able to go back and do it is is a gift in a way, right? I think uh, absolutely. Yeah. And what, yeah. And what George did, he he basically he created this new way of working, mm. right? And um, uh, which a lot of people within the industry can now work it in, 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 in the same way. Um, and that was that was the most surprising thing, I think. Mm. Um, uh, and also, um, just um, when they were doing the uh, uh, the special editions mm. for uh, '97, uh, in '94, '95, they were discovering just how terrible the original Meg was. <laughs> yes, uh, from you know the original '77 film, and basically, you know, it it would have been lost unless right. they they'd redone it. I mean, that mm. was, I thought, no, that can't be true. But, <laughs> but it is, you know. Um, yeah, that, that was very surprising as well. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's, it's interesting that, and maybe it, because as we, we, we started the conversation talking about the fact that this is, you know, 44 years old and it's a successful uh, media, fran- multimedia franchise. It's, uh, it's a very um, uh, uh, sort of, ownable story and ownable i use that word on purpose because i think what happens is people become such big fans that when you change something mm-hmm. it feels like you've changed a piece of their their religion or something like that and it's um you know it's funny there's this this constant conversation about what's canon in star wars yeah, and yeah, at the end yeah. of the day you know to your point george built tools so that he could make sure that the story he wanted to tell gets told the way he wants to tell it. And I think it's an important point that you make that he always had a vision for, or at least maybe not the specifics, but a vision for what the types of characters were, which means that they, the way they end up on screen could end up being mutated at least over time to make sure that he gets it to where he wants. I think Han Solo shooting first is an interesting concept, Mm -hmm. right? Because of the fact that, you know, we all took that to mean, well, Han Solo is uh, uh, this type of character that's, you know, not willing, not 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 afraid to shoot first, ask questions later. But yeah, George, yeah. I guess, never saw him that way. No, it's it's almost like um, it's not I misspoke, misspoke, but, right? But you misheard me, right? Yeah, yep. uh, and um, and I I think it all comes down to the editing, the, the very precise editing. And what he had available at the time. Right. So if you look at um, shows like Have Gun Will Travel, mm-hmm. um, uh, which I only discovered after talking to George, um, there is a very specific moral center, uh, uh, moral message to these movies and the uh, TV series. And, and this is where George comes from. Mm. George doesn't come, even though he may reference um, the good, bad, and the ugly, and the man with no name—you know—all these things from, you know, uh, from the late '60s. Mm-hmm. In reality, he was formed by the '50s. <laughs> you know, he was formed by Flash Gordon and by Dan Barry. Um, as a newspaper strip. He was formed by um, um, the Western shows of the '50s, which have a very, very uh, moral center to them. And I think that, um, and this is, I think, the where, you know, when George said to me, you know, I was 
you know, really upset me that humans are killed, are shot hmm. in Star Wars. I thought, well, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, no, no, we, we never shoot human beings. You know, it's, it's always aliens or other things because hmm. otherwise it's too frightening for the children. <laughs> you know, and it gives the, the wrong message. And I thought, hold on a minute, this is a, a sort of gentleness, right? you know, um, and a concern for, um, for what people may see. And also the idea that really you've got to remember these really are films for 12-year-olds. Mm. In George's mind, they are still films for 12-year-olds. Mm. And so even though the, um, the fans have grown up, you know, through generations, etc., you should really see them as Walt Disney films from the 50s and 60s. Mm. You know, Jungle Book and all of these, they're Fantasia. They're that sort of precious, protective, um, moral movies. You know, that, as George says, they're telling you the rules for life. Mm. They're, they're telling you all of these characters have these little things about them that tell you, you know, I am selfish, and therefore I've got to learn to a certain extent to be selfless. Mm. You know, I am selfless. I'm too selfless, says Leah. <laughs> you know, essentially, and I've got to be. I've got to learn to look after myself, right? And to give and to have some for myself. Yeah. So those mm. are the Han and Leah characters, right? Yeah. And uh, and Luke. Is a child who's grown up. He's got to learn about all the bad things in life. He's got to learn about death, you know, of um, uh, uh, about the world, about the balance of the world, mm-hmm. and and he has to have people to teach him right. uh, to do that. And he's, you know, and it's like in real life, you know, you can have your parents and your mentors to teach you the right way to go, the right road or route to take, mm-hmm. you know, but of course you ignore them, yeah? <laughs> you know, and you learn to make your own mistakes. Right. You know, that's why Luke goes off to save his friends, you mm-hmm. know, you know, because he has to learn to make his own mistakes. Right. right? And hopefully survive and learn from them. Right. And um, uh, in order to grow so that, you know, at the end of Within uh, the Jedi, He's in a position, he's grown to such an extent that he understands that he's been tempted, he's, he's, he's growing angry, he's using the dark side right. uh, in order to, to fight his father, uh, to strike his father, and, and he realizes, no, that's not the way. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you, can't, you, you can't fight against something which is evil, you've got to fight or something which is good, mm. you know, and um, you know, and these are the lessons that the characters in the background of the psychology of the characters. Those are the lessons they're learning, and I think uh, George is presenting it in a in a very easy way for twelve year olds to understand. Right. Well, and I th- I think that's why it survives, right? I think you know one of the I I've talked about this before. I when I was writing for Star Wars Galaxy Magazine, I had an opportunity to speak at a very small local science fiction convention. And I did a whole, I started my presentation mm-hmm. because there weren't Star Wars conventions yet, but I started my yeah. presentation, my discussion with Star Wars isn't science fiction. 
And mm -hmm. literally, yeah. there were people literally in the back going, ah, forget it. I'm not interested in this. But yeah. and it's because it it doesn't matter if it's dragons and princesses or star destroyers or or yeah. Conan the Barbar Barbarian. It's like this story is told. And what's happened with Star Wars? In fact, I was I was speaking uh, with uh, Ian Convery, who's Dave Filoni's wife, about this. Uh, yeah. on last week's show we talked about how star wars has become essentially its own genre but it's always been every genre and it can tell that simple child story whether it's a western through the mandalorian or through you know epic you know uh, galactic battles so yeah but it's it's always uh, i mean the best the best movies uh, as star wars as a called Star Wars message movie mm -hmm. um, or TV series or yeah. whatever, um, the ones that move you most are normally the ones that hark back to what George was setting up mm -hmm. in terms of the psychology of the, of the character. Right. And um, I mean, you can do any genre. You know, you can do heist movies and mm -hmm. suspense movies. And horror movies, you know, you, you can do musicals, you can do anything you want, you know, right. within the context of, of this universe. Right. And uh, but ultimately, if they hark back to that original, uh, those original ideas that George had, they normally um, they're more moving right. as uh, as pieces. That's great. That's 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 excellent. And now you've. As we said earlier, you've done uh, the Godfather Family album. You've done the Charlie Chaplin. You've done horror and film noir studies. You've yeah. got the very recent um, uh, James Bond book. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh gosh, um, yeah, this is another one where uh, I spent uh, a couple of years, in fact, um, researching um, and then putting together. And this, like the Star Wars archives, it's a uh, oral history um, uh, illustrated with lots of behind the scenes, never before seen uh, images and documents and that tell the story of how the, the Bond movies were made, including mm. the, the latest one. Uh, Straight up to the latest. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and in fact, th there is a certain parallel in with Star Wars in the sense that this sense of ownership um, from the fans really comes uh, is, is the same with James Bond, where mm. people take uh, and I think it's a, a compliment to how much um, a certain idea or some character um, means so much to people, right. so much part of their life growing up. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I think it's, it's very interesting that normally within these franchises that people you know, really love and are part of, they're things that they saw when they were very young. Mm -hmm. and. And they're very fixed points, right? Yeah, um, and they're very fixed ideas and very fixed emotions that they get from hmm. them. And so, when something comes along that changes that fixed idea that they may have, right? And um, that's the point at which people start to worry, right? You know, like the the teenagers who are going, you know. Um, you know, when you're growing up as a as a teenager, you've got all this, all these hormones, and you have to go out into the world. You're no longer protected by by a family. 
mm. um, and you have to make your own way, and it's all completely uncertain. Right. You know, because what you may do and your view of the world may be different to your own family, etc. Um, and so you have to forge something new. It's very, very frightening, and um, which is the story of American graffiti. Right. Um, um, and uh, and I think this this ties into that idea of um, when people try to do something new with a franchise, that sort of normal fear kicks in. Sure. Yeah. You know, until it actually appears. And then you start to try and try and process what's going on. Hmm. Yeah. And I think the sequel trilogy has, has been faced with that. Certainly, uh, you know, that, and again, it's, it's to your point, it's, it's anything that, you know, if you, if you were to, I, I don't know, I, if, if somebody tried to redo the recipe of my mother's apple pie and it wouldn't be the same and I would, ha I'd find fault with it before I found great, greatness but, with it sometimes but, but what happens if you did if you cooked it right. right and then you found maybe there were these other apples that you really <laughs> like right that you'd like to put in instead of her apple yeah right and um, you know and you put it in and you think oh, gosh that's that's really good and when i put that cinnamon in right, right that was like mm, it was delish right so so the thing is that each generation has their own um, twist on it. And right. in fact, in the same way that George took Flash Gordon, Edgar Rice Burroughs, mm. and Fellini, Fellini Satyricon, and he took um, Good, Bad and the Ugly, and he took 2001, and he took Silent Money. Right. And all of these things, um, uh, Joseph Campbell, and he took them all and he made his own recipe. Mm. Yeah? Yep. In order to present to people. And now it's up to another generation, you know, to to take what George has, you know, all the good bits that George brought to it right. and to create their own recipes. You know. And I think that, you know, in the same way that in the prequel trilogy, um, we didn't have Ham, we didn't have Leo, we didn't have Luke. Mm -hmm. um, we had all these other characters, um, and those characters um, generated a new generation of right. fans. Yeah, just yep. in the same way that the Clone Wars generated a new series of fans. Just yep. like if you look at Doctor Who yep. and at yep. Star Trek, each time something new comes out, right, some people you know, rebel against it, right. you know, uh, but there's a whole group of other people saying, no, I love that. I grew up with that. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, and we all, you know, we all have something uh, that we can bring, something creative that we can bring to the next thing. Um, uh, and I think that's just the natural way. Yep. Yeah, it's it's that sort of uh, un, uh, discomfort from growth, I think, in a way, right? Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah, uh, it's one hundred growing pains. I think it's called, growing yeah. pains, exactly. So, yeah. uh, so is there a is there a series of films or a film or a, a genre that you would love that you haven't had a chance to to dig into yet that you would sort of put as your your next favorite kind of project to get into? Well, look behind me. <laughs> <laughs> you've got a bit of, yeah. uh, you've got some things back there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like everything. I mean, I love mm. so much. There's nothing like in specific. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm working on, oh gosh, um, it's like uh, I just today, uh, I'm working on a book. Uh, there's an artist uh, called uh, John Burns. Mm -hmm. I'm working on a book with him at the moment. Um, uh, do that, self-publish. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm working on uh, some comic strip stuff. Uh, I'm working on other film stuff that I can't talk about. Um, but um, uh, there's an, an author called Gerald Kirsch who has anything, nothing to hand, but um, uh, he did uh, Night in the City, the film, the film the while was based on one of his novels. And so I, I'm do, I'll be reprinting his books in the oh, special great. editions. So, you know, I've been researching him for 20, 30 years. So That's great. So, so the thing is, I've got many other things that I'm working on, but something I can't talk about. But, um, <laughs> but, I've had, but funnily enough, there have been lots of projects that I've put forward mm. um, that never quite made it. And that's always the way with these things. That, right. Um, what happens is that, for instance, with James Bond, that was originally 20 years ago. Um, you know, we thought about making that book, but it didn't happen until first happened until 2012. Right. Star Wars originally before, but not until more recently. Hmm. So who knows what may happen? <laughs> well, you have a request from me and one of my uh, patrons named uh, Nick to uh, you could do an Indiana Jones book. We would love to see that. <laughs> I, I've I've already pitched that. <laughs> <laughs> I've already pitched that. All right. Well, uh, we'll... I would love, love to. And I, I did have a look at some of the Indiana Jones archives. I'm sure. Didn't help, but, you know, see the Ark of the Covenant and stuff. Oh, like this, you know. I can't even imagine. Yeah. I was very lucky in that I got to, um, I did get to visit the ranch once, and it was before its current form. And yeah. at the time, there was only one little alcove um, right near the, the main staircase yeah. that had film props and the yeah. one of, of all the film props that were there the one that sticks with me is the idol from indiana yeah. jones uh, from raiders of the lost ark and the funny thing is it's just basically a beat up piece of wood that was painted gold and it's it's it was just great to see it like and i can only imagine going into the archives and seeing all of those things um in in their various forms it must have been just uh mind-blowing so yeah, I mean, I did see, I remember uh, going around and there was these like little wooden uh, X-wings. Yeah. And I thought, God, what, what, what are they? And then, of course, today being the anniversary of a certain holiday special. Yes, this is true. Right, they, are, they are the actual, uh, the wooden uh, X-wings from the holiday Oh my special. gosh. <laughs> I am absolutely sure they are. So, I mean, um, but yes, you do, there are amazing things in there that think that can't be it but they are but they are <laughs> well paul thank you so much for spending some time with us today i really appreciate it tell people where they can keep up with you online oh well i twitter for a tweet uh, <laughs> at kirsch k-e-r-s-a-t-d because of general Kirsch, and uh, i tweet daily about star wars yes all about other things occasionally always great like little on this day kind of things and yeah, uh, yeah, just yeah, yeah. really really a fun follow but uh paul this was great thank you so much i hope to have you on again sometime maybe when that indiana jones book comes out or, or maybe you'll do the sequel trilogy who knows <laughs> who knows perhaps in 10 years right <laughs> well i'll be here so well right. thank thank you so much all right thank you so much Paul. well that wraps it up for this episode of around the Gap. 
for Mr. Duncan, and thank you for listening. If you had fun, please like, subscribe, share, rate, and review it. Also, make sure to follow us on all your social media channels at ATGCast. Hey, and you can follow me at RealATG3. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. That's what I'm doing. That's that's how I'm getting in touch with the kids today. Anyway, um, this show has been copyright 2021 Key in the Seat Studios. All of our music comes from the band Silver Color Knob that you can find on, uh, I don't know, Spotify and Apple Music, wherever you get that stuff. Anyway, hey, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on Around the Galaxy.